Well, good morning. Welcome to Crossroads Church. How many of you are expecting me to come out on a horse? I'm sorry to disappoint you uh, because I don't have a horse, but that would have been awesome. Man, I want to welcome you this morning. My name is Chris. I'm one of the pastors here at Crossroads Church. If we haven't had the chance of meeting, I would love to uh, meet you. So please feel free to come up and introduce yourself if you see me in the lobby or the hallways or whatever that might be between services. Would love to meet you. And I want to welcome you today. Welcome to those of you who are in-house. Welcome to those of you who are online or at our Fort Lupton campus. Um, I'm excited for this morning because we are in our fifth week of this series that we're doing called Christianity for the Curious, Cautious, and Confused. And so there might be some of you who are listening that would fall into one of those categories. That when it comes to Christianity, when it comes to faith, that, uh, that let's be real, like Christians can be weird, right? Like a lot of all of that we do, like we speak a different language, we get together and we hear people talk, we sing together. Like there's just some weird stuff around Christianity. And so you might fall into one of those categories of uh, curious, cautious, or confused. And if that's you, I just want to say that this is why we're doing it is for you. We're doing this series for you, and so you are in good company. Now, if you're not in one of those categories, if you are here and you're like, man, I, I'm not curious, cautious, or confused. I'm, I'm, I'm totally bought in to following Christ. Uh, well, this is for you as well, because th- this is intended then for you uh, to be fortified and to be encouraged in your faith, to maybe have some clarity or some answers around what it is that we believe and why we believe it. And so over the course of the last four weeks, we've looked at some pretty big topics, Uh, admittedly so, like each of these topics could be their own sermon series, all right? But we gave the 30-minute overview of each of these topics over the last few weeks. We, we, uh, do we have those? There we are, yeah. Let's give it up for our tech crew, man. They got a lot of pressure on them. (laughs) Amazing volunteers who run our technology. All right. So we talked about why Jesus came. We talked about what Christianity is all about. We talked about why we believe the Bible is the source of truth. Last week, we talked about the nature of God. Again, all of these were big, big things. If you missed any of them, I would encourage you to go back and just watch those sermons. Today, we're going to be looking at the nature of man or humankind. And then next week, we're going to wrap it up with what is the Christian life all about? And so today, as we get started in this idea of what is, uh, what is the nature of humankind? Who are we? What are we? Where did we come from? Uh, I want to start off with a story about a man named Ted Kuntz. Ted Kuntz is probably a name that doesn't sound too familiar to you. Uh, when he was a young boy, he was born into a poor farming family. Uh, his, grandpa- his parents, his grandparents, his great-grandparents, as far back as he can remember, uh, were, were all poor farmers. And Ted grew up in this family. But as a young kid, um, there were some complications, and he was actually removed from his parents' home and placed with his grandparents. His grandparents then raised him from a young, uh, as a young child. And so one of his favorite memories growing up with his grandma and grandpa is this blanket that his grandmother would let him use. Uh, This blanket would not only keep him warm on cold winter's nights, but also it was just kind of his go-to comforting blanket, all right? Now, how many of you have had blankets in the past? Okay, how many of you still have blankets? Oh, come on. All right, I know there's more of you that do that. Anyway, Ted was one of those guys. He kept this blanket. Long past uh, when his grandparents passed on, this blanket became uh, this huge piece of his family story, the sentimental value that, that he had for this blanket. Now, the story of this blanket 
that his grandmother told him was that it was a gift from a, a, a family friend who had received it from a man named Kit Carson. If that name rings a bell, a, a 19th century Western frontiersman uh, had given this blanket away. And so in 2001, as Ted was an old and soft-spoken man, he decided to find out more about this blanket. And so he took it to the Antique Roadshow. Any Antique Roadshow fans? All right, yeah, it's, it's kind of a boring show, but it's kind of cool sometimes, right? Let's just be honest. So anyway, he takes it on this show to see, like, if this is really, if, if we can find out if this really came from Kit Carson. Well, and so what is the first question that anybody has when they take something on the Antiques Roadshow? What's it worth? Yeah, what is it worth? Now, this is a great question, but before they determine how much it's worth, there's a couple of other questions they have to ask. They have to find out what is it, and where did it come from? What is it and where did it come from? Then we can determine how much it's worth. And after that, we can determine how we should treat it. Those are the four questions. What is it? Where did it come from? What's it worth? And how should we treat it? So little did Ted know, this wasn't just a blanket that might have been given by Kit Carson, but it was actually a first phase Navajo chief's blanket. Do we have that picture up there? There it is. A first phase Navajo chief's blanket where there was only about 50 of these made in the first phase. Now this blanket was used by the chiefs on special occasions and celebrations. And long story short, he said on a bad day, this is worth $350,000. On a good day, you might get half a million for it. So Ted ended up hanging on to it for a few years. His family had some more financial problems. He ended up selling it and it now hangs in the Detroit Institute of art. You can go and see that today. All right. But that's not all because about 10 years later, uh, a man by the name of Lauren Kreitzer, he saw this episode in 2011. He saw the episode of Ted's blanket and he thought, I kind of have a, I have a blanket that looks kind of like that. I'm going to go check it out, right? So he goes to his closet and pulls out this old blanket. Now, now Lauren had uh, been struggling financially as well on disability. He could hardly make ends meet. And so he pulls out this blanket, come to find out, he takes it to auction and it sells for $1.5 million. Now, this blanket that Lauren had was used by his grandma to catch litters of kittens that her cat had, <laughs> And I'll tell you what, it was never used for that again, <laughs> right? Again, because of what they were, where they came from, how much they were worth, they were treated differently. They were not treated, they were not given to kids on beds or used for kittens. And so here's the thing, when it comes to humankind, when it comes to looking at who are we, what is the nature of man, we have these four questions to ask. Do we have those questions? Where, what are we? Where did we come from? What's the value of human life and how should we be treated? These are the most important questions when it comes to answering who we are as humankind. What is the nature of humankind? And so let me ask you, what about you? How do you define yourself? If anybody asks you, who are you? What do you say? What do you say? How do you answer that question? Who are you? You see, everybody's trying to answer this question. Everybody's trying to find out who we are. In fact, since the beginning of time, people have been struggling with this question of who is, uh, what, what is the human race and what are we here for? Why are we here? And so a lot of people will, will say things like, oh, we're nothing more than just a bunch of cells that kind of came together accidentally through a big explosion that happened in space. 
that we're nothing more than just our, our physical bodies that are made up of matter, that there's no other point of life than just having fun, just you do you and, and whatever, because when you die, you just simply stop existing, that human life is meaningless. And if you can't contribute to human life, then you're meaningless. This is often what, what, we're, what we're told, aren't we, in today's world? And then we're also bombarded with messages to define ourselves, to identify ourselves, that you can be defined by your career, your relationship status, where you live, your sexual identity, your age, your gender identity, uh, your, the generation you're from, how much money you make, uh, your role in the family. Maybe some of you are defined by your mistakes or maybe by the good things that you've done. I mean, identity is a hot topic right now in our world, isn't it? It's a hot topic. It's everywhere. Everybody's trying to identify themselves. And here's the thing. There's so much pressure to identify yourself. I mean, we hear these messages like, you, you, be whoever you want to be. Like, you have the freedom to, to be whoever you want to be and, and do whatever you want to do. And, and you be you. That you, you get to just define the true you that, that you are, right? I mean, have you heard these kind of messages? They sound liberating, don't they? They sound freeing and like, oh man, I, like the world is my, is my playground. Like I can go and do whatever, you, whatever I want. But here's the thing is that's a crushing weight. It's a crushing weight that is unsustainable. Because why? Because no matter where you put your identity in, that thing is going to change at some point. If my identity is in my health, guess what? I'm not going to always have my health. If your identity is in your relationship status or in your beauty or in your uh, fitness or in your finances or whatever it is, if your identity is in anything else, it's going to change at some point. And it's a crushing, unsustainable weight. So thankfully, the Bible has a lot to say about who we are, about who humankind and what humankind is. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to look at two things. Okay, we're going to look at two things. These two things are this. Is we're going to look at the things that are true for every one of us. We're going to look at that first. We're going to look at what is true for every single human being that has ever walked on the face of the earth. That we don't have a choice in these things. That it's true for every single human being. And then number two, we're going to look at what can be true for you if you choose. Got that? We're going to look at what's true for everybody without a choice. And number two, what can be true for you if you choose so. And here's the big idea. Here's kind of where we're going today, just so you know. The big idea is this, is that in Jesus, you get an identity that you can't earn and one that can never be taken from you. That in Jesus, you get an identity that you can't earn and one that can never be taken from you. So to start, we're going to go way back. We're going to look at what's true for every one of us, right? We're going to go way back to the very beginning of our Bibles, the very first chapter of the first book, when God decides to create everything, right? God is there in this blank universe, and he decides, I am going to make things today, right? And so he starts just speaking things into existence, stars and, and planets, and, and like, oh, kangaroos are cool, and butterflies are cool, and ooh, let's make some banana trees. Those are cool. And I mean, he just starts like imagining things, just boom, and it just appears. Like, how cool would this have been to see happen? This is what God is doing during that week of creation. And he sits back, and he goes, man, this is all really good. This is all really really good stuff. I love it. It's, it. I mean, just imagine like God's imagination on display. When you look at the beauty around us in creation, especially here in Colorado, 
you see God's imagination on display. That's what he did. And then at the end of this week, he decides, but we're not quite done yet. We're not quite done yet. I want to make another creature. I want to make another creature. And this creature is going to be distinct from everything else. This creature is going to bear my image. And in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, it says this. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Now here's the thing. This is what's true about every single human being that's ever walked on the face of the earth. It doesn't matter what country you're from, what language you speak, what color skin you have, what you're, uh, if you're homeless or you have a great job or whatever it is, this is true for every single human being that we are created in the image of God, designed by a designer, body and soul, created by a creator that God invented us. He, he thought us up. He thought this whole thing up. And all of creation, out of all creation, we are created unique. In his image. What does that mean? What does that mean that we are created in his image? Well, each of these could be their own sermons again, but here's a few highlights of what it means to be created in the image of God. That we're a physical representation of God on earth. That we're created on purpose with bodies. That this wasn't just like we're just waiting one day to get rid of these things. Did you know that in the new heaven and new earth that we'll have new bodies? We'll be just as physical as we are now. That's how God created us his physical representation on earth, that we have a will, that we have a desire, that we get to work, that we get to build, that we get to create, that we get to grow things, that we get to produce things. And here's the most important thing is that being created in the image of God, that we were created for unique relationship and union with God and with each other. We're created as eternal beings, that there's, that there's no end to us, that we don't just stop ceasing to exist when we die, that, that we are eternal beings. This is what it means to be created in the image of God. David, in the book of Psalms, puts it this way in Psalm chapter 139. He says this, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb, just like the Navajo chief's blanket. I praise you, for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. I, my soul knows it very well. And I just want to pause here for a moment because some of you who are listening today, this is, this is what you need to hear, is that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And for some of us, we've been believing the opposite for a long time, haven't we? The messages that come our way that we're simply not enough the messages that come our way that we're, that, we're, that we're too messed up or that we've screwed up too many times or, or we're just not as good as this other person, that we begin to believe the lies, don't we? And for some of us today, this is what you need to hear, is that you are fearfully and wonderfully made on purpose for this time. Like, do you ever wonder, why am I not like this person? I mean, I do that all the time, right? Why am I not like him? Like, why am I not as good of a leader as she is? Or why can I not uh, be as successful as him or whatever it might be? Why can I not be as good of a dad as this other person? And, and here's the thing is, why can you not be as good as the other person is because you're not them. 
You're you. On purpose. God made you you the way you are on purpose. There will never, ever be another you. You're the best version of you that you can be. Because you were created uniquely by design on purpose. You see, and it's so interesting that the world message, the world's message is be whatever you want to be, like you define you. But at the same time, don't we hear the opposite of that, that you're just simply not enough? I mean, have you ever looked in the mirror and with just kind of this self-loathing? You ever look in the mirror and think, man, you're just not, you're just not making it. You're just not doing it right. Man, I, 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 I see this a lot in, in kids, teenagers, middle schoolers, high school students, like the pressure to perform, the, the pressure to define yourself, the pressure to identify yourself, constantly bombarded with you're not enough. And man, some of us, we need to stop and we need to preach the truth to ourselves. Man, I was, I was created in the image of God. Every morning when I take my kids to school, part of our prayer is God, remind us of who we are today. Remind us of who you made us to be. Let nobody else define who we are. Let us not try to find our identities in anything else. Let me, let me remember who I am, uniquely woven together by God. And here's the thing. This is true about everyone. And because we come from God, because he's the one who made us, our value is, it's invaluable. Like, how do you put value on human life? Because of who we are, because of where we came from, human life is invaluable. And I'm convinced that if we could get this, if we could get that thing, that human life is invaluable, that 90% of our problems in, our, in this world would, would just disappear. Like, if we actually valued each other, the injustice, the violence, the taking advantage of other people, the cheating, the theft, the whatever it might be, if we just simply valued other human beings for what they are and not treated them like trash, and 90% of the world's problems would just disappear. So this is still, this is true about everyone, that we are created in the image of God, uniquely woven together, designed. You have a unique personality that's different from you and different from you, and your wiring is different from you, that this is how it was intended to be. But then Genesis 3 came along. And if you're not familiar with Genesis 3, this is the story of Adam and Eve in the garden. And God had uh, given them everything except this one rule. Don't eat from this tree. Simple enough, like you got it, guys. Don't eat from this one tree. So sure enough, after a little bit of time, the serpent comes in and begins to tempt them. They begin to doubt God. Is, is God really good? Does God really have uh, the best plans in mind for me? Like, does that sound familiar, anybody? And sure enough, they take from the tree and they eat it. And in that moment, all of creation, the entire universe, broke, fragmented, everything, even the best things in life, even the best things in your life right now are, are broken and fragmented. And most importantly, the worst part is our union with God. Our union with God was, was broken. Our reflection of him was twisted and tarnished. You see, this isn't popular to say in today's world, right? It doesn't do good for our, our, our self-esteem, to think that we're broken, to think that there's problems with us. I mean, you might even hear that, like, no, 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 you're perfect just the way you are. There's nothing wrong with you. Like, you are fine. You are, you're, you're perfect. You're, you're not broken. And I just got to say, man, like, let's stop lying to ourselves. 
It doesn't take long, does it, to watch the news? Just after a few minutes to watch the news and to see all the destruction that's going on in the world. But not only there, like let's be honest, it doesn't take me long to just look into the dark corners of my own heart and to see the, the, the brokenness and the sin that's there. Like, look at me, I, I love you, but you're, you're not perfect. You're broken. You're fragmented, and you know it, don't you? We're broken and, and fragmented and broken away from our relationship with God. And so now what's true about everyone is that we were created in his image, and now we have this sinful nature, this weird paradox. We have these dueling natures inside of us as humankinds, that that's who we are, that's what we do. Paul explains it this way in Ephesians chapter 2. Verse 1, he says this, and you were dead. You were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passion of the flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of of mankind. This is true about every single human being. Do you remember that time of your life? Maybe you're there now, that we were dead in our, trans, our, our trespasses and sins. And so to recap, this is where, this is, again, this is true for all of us. This is true for every single one of us. And what happens, what happens in our world when something breaks? Like what happens when you break your favorite coffee mug? You throw it away, get a new one. So when it comes to worldly wisdom, if we're really broken as human beings, this is why people don't like this message. But if we're really broken as human beings, what does worldly wisdom say? That you're, 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 you're worthless. There's no value to you. You're too broken. That we, we throw broken things away and we get new things. But, but here's the difference. When it comes to human beings created in the image of God, here's what God says about you and me in our broken state. In John 3, 16, he says this, for God so loved the world. For God so loved those who have it all together. For God so loved the righteous. For God so loved the people who aren't as broken as the other people. For God so loved the people that don't mess up as much as the other people. For God so loved who? The world. He loved you and I. He loved us in our brokenness, in our fragmented state. Now again, here's, this is all so far true about us. And if there's anything that you don't hear today, uh, hear this. Is that even in your fragmented state, you are deeply loved by God. That you are a beloved child of God. Even now, in your brokenness, even with all the mess, even when you look at your life and you take an honest look and you see all the crud that's there, you are deeply loved. You are a beloved child of God, no matter what. So all of that is what's true about every single human being. But now, here's where we have a choice. Here's where we have a choice. Back to John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, and here it is, that whoever believes, whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. So whoever believes in him is not condemned, but 
Whoever does not is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the Son of God. Let me ask you this. What does it say about you that God was willing to pay the price that he paid? I mean, if that Navajo blanket was ripped up and torn to shreds and stained all over and cut to pieces, would it be worth the $1.5 million that he sold it for? No way. But what does it say about you that while we were fragmented and broken, that God paid the ultimate price, the ultimate price for you? For what? The invitation to believe. The invitation to to be made whole again. The invitation to, to be made new. So, so what does this say? What does this say about who we are? What does this say? Let me ask, let me read this list to you. You might want to take a screenshot of these and go back and look at them later, but, but here's what's true about your identity if you choose to believe, is that you're no longer a child of wrath. You're, what the Bible says, born again, like literally you've, you've been, you've come back to life. You're alive with Christ. You're saved. You're forgiven and you're cleansed. Your sin nature is defeated. That's good news, isn't it? You've been given Jesus's righteousness, right? Like literally his, all of his good deeds and righteousness placed on your shoulders. That's what that means. You've been given eternal life. You've been adopted as sons and daughters of God. No longer enemies and foreigners, but you are adopted into his very family. You are co-heirs with Christ. What does this mean? It means that whatever the Father gives to Jesus, he also gives to you. Co-heirs with Christ. That there, you are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. You are sealed by the Holy Spirit. There is now no condemnation for you and nothing, nothing can separate you from the love of the Father. Yay. That's good news, isn't it? You see, in Jesus, you get an identity that you can't earn and one that will never be taken from you. So the choice is yours. Will you believe? Will you believe? What does it mean to believe? It means to put your faith in, to surrender to, to put your trust in, to return to, and when we do, We take on our new identities. And here's the beautiful thing is that once we do, it's like this whole new self-discovery track that God puts us on. He's like, hey, guess what? Now you're my child. Now all these things, like your sins washed away, like you're forgiven, all this stuff. Guess what? Now I want to show you who I knitted you together to be. Now I want to show you who I created you uniquely to be. All those other things, they left you hanging. They left you wanting. They, left, they, they were this unsustainable, crushing weight on you. But now I'm going to free you to be the you that I made you to be before the beginning of time. Man, what an incredible invitation. So what will you do? What will you do? Jesus says, believe. Will you do that? Will you get off the treadmill of trying to define yourself, trying to identify yourself? And will you embrace and cling to and hold to the identity that you can't earn and that can never be taken from you? Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your goodness today. God, thank you for your love for us that while 
We were sinners while we were far away, while we were caught in our sins, our addictions, our brokenness, our fragmented lives. God, that you still saw us for who you created us to be. You still saw invaluable human beings created in your image, designed for your good works, and you rescued us. And this invitation, this incredible, mind-blowing invitation is open for all of humanity. God, you are so good. And so, Father, we come to you today and we ask for your help. God, it's so easy to forget who we are. It's so easy to forget who you created us to be. It's so easy to listen to the messages that the world is continually bombarding us with. So God, would you bring us back to every moment, every day. God, bring us back to who you made us to be, that our identities lie in you. And nothing, nothing can change that. Father, we're so thankful for it. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you're listening today and maybe you're at that place where Jesus says, believe, and you're ready to, maybe for the first time, we want to walk with you in that. We want to have a conversation with you. You can simply text the name Jesus to the number on the screen and someone will be back in touch with you and uh, answer any questions you might have, pray with you, help you get connected and start on your new life in Jesus. So would you do that today, all right? Every weekend we spend some time remembering the sacrifice that Jesus made. And you know, sometimes you'll, you'll hear the question, why did Jesus die for us? And the answer you'll often hear is so that we'll have forgiveness for our sins. And to that, I would say yes. And so, so, so much more than just that. So much more than just the forgiveness of our sins that in him, we find who we truly are. We find true liberation. We find true life. We find true freedom. That's why he came. So he took the bread and he took the cup. He broke the bread. He passed the cup and he said, whenever you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, remember my body broken and my blood poured out for you. Let's remember together. In the cup, let's remember. We're gonna spend some time singing together and responding to our good God. And so in just a moment, I'm gonna have you stand. If you would like prayer during this time, you can go over to the banner on this side over here and someone would love to, to pray with you about whatever it is that might be on your mind, all right? Let's stand together as we sing.